Blog Talk Radio. Reason is our weapon of choice. Skeptics know that you do have a voice. Science is not so we'll be defying it. What we know, so it's best to apply it. Feed you information, deposit the knowledge, so you know ignorance is not an option. Welcome to the RSS feed with your host, Raymond Rose. Skeptical superwoman, but in plain clothes. She ain't no Jane Doe, nor is she a day old. So the core arguments weakly molded like Plato. Kicking false info like Cato, but it should be your J-O. You expand your mind like a transit line. Nothing is ever true, cause you think so. It's evident that you never win. Cause the evidence you present is irrelevant in the present sense. It's reckless and negligent. You never ask questions or to think ignorance is good to relish it. So we spark the faith, cause you know the truth is hard to take. Especially with so many falsehoods, and we are the day. Oh, reality, we start to be Shout out to the skeptics My free thinking is a living cow Massage that fire and heat Seeking the aim that you shoot them with the legs You weak creatures, Christian scientists To debate evolution Elitists in the government that hate the revolution Armchair, acting that you overstate Their contribution to the movement Cause they say they have solutions So it's best to listen and understand Skepticism is the religion And so we get a better vision of how the world works in What we call marvelous to make a better future You know that it starts with us, progressive thoughts, progressive talks, the sharing of ideas, the medicine we need, another dose of the RSSP, say what, another dose of the RSSP. Hey everybody, it's Raina, back with another uh, episode of the RSSP, um, today we're going to talk about mixed topics, you know, um, so it's not a whole lot of you know, structure today kind of free, you know, kind of free wheeling here. Um, I've got my good friend and the um, import, all important leader of our small band of rebels uh, over here at Black Street Sisters, Kim, Kimberly Deal, my good friend. And, and we're going to talk about a lot of different things today, but before we get to that, wanted to um, highlight some of the things that have gone over, on over here at Black Free Thinkers. Um, this past week, we had um, shows by Vita, um, also Alfred, and um, and Carl. Yeah, Carl, sorry. Carl. I think for a second, I'm sorry, I'm late. But sorry, Carl, you know I love you. Um, <laughs> but this week, Vita talked about the school-to-prison pipeline. And, um, you know, she had a couple of special guests. She also had um, a surprise sort of um, guest appearance by uh, a group, um, a, the, what is it, Citizens for Sustainable Future, I believe is what they're called. Um, and they have been involved in sort of supporting the Dream Defenders down in Florida and um, in their fight for social justice and um, and um, dealing with issues concerning standing ground laws as well as the school prison pipeline and some other issues. Um, so it was a really interesting discussion. Um, <laughs> we had an interesting caller uh, call into that show as well. It's funny. Um, anyway, um, from there we go to, um, last night we had Alfred and Carl talking about respectability politics, um, 
great thing about Black Tree Thinkers podcast is that we have a an extensive archive, and um, you know, for those of you who missed it last night, including myself, you can go back and listen to it. I'm sure that Carl and Alfred did an excellent job. Um, so, looking forward to um, getting caught up with them. Um, tomorrow, Kim is doing a show about. Um, I, I don't know if it's officially titled, but I know that you're doing another show on feminism. So maybe you want to talk a little bit more about that, Kim? Yes, we'll be talking about feminism dissent, and we'll talk about the politics of feminism and some of the issues between um, black feminists and white feminists. And we'll talk about an issue that just, well, it's been around for a while, but it inflamed within the past couple of weeks, whereas um, there's an accusation that um, information and narratives and blogs, essays, if you will, that were published by black feminists, that the information was poached by um, others. So, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah. Um, Sky issues, nothing new, and that's a that's an old argument. Right. With, um, an old problem that you know, goes back for quite some time, but hopefully you guys will also be addressing the um, issues of feminists within the movement um, dealing with issues of transhumanism, uh, not transhumanism, but transgender and transsexual um, individuals as well as, um, you know, lesbian, uh, gay and bisexual people as well. Some people in the movement have some issues there too, um, which is interesting because most people think of, a, think of you know, feminists as nothing but a bunch of lesbians. Of course, nothing but being a major problem. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that there's quite a lot of disagreement and quite a lot of overlap. And um, just like in the atheist movement, of course, we, um, you know, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that today. But, of course, there's been some turmoil within the atheist community um, concerning um, the some, some people who've come forward with um, their stories of sexual harassment and um, sexual assault. Um, coming out at some of these conferences. Um, it's not much of a surprise to many of us who've been sort of, you know, who who suspected or kind of knew that some of these things were going on, um, you know, because either we'd experienced them or we'd experienced them in other contexts. And we just weren't, we just weren't naive enough to think that we were going to come over here and things were just going to be perfect. Um, you know, right. atheism does not, um, you know, being an atheist does not necessarily make you, um, you know, a an enlightened individual or a more tolerant individual or any of these things. And, uh, of course, another thing that happened just recently was um, some rather um, unfortunate tweets by uh, Richard Dawkins concerning, um, concerning Muslims um, saying something along the lines of that, um, Muslims did not have as many um, as many Nobel prizes, Nobel prizes as, yeah. as you know Trinity and Cambridge, um, which is like which is really you know I'm, which is really crazy to me on on just uh, on a very basic level to begin with because 
I, I was not aware that Muslims constituted a university. Right. <laughs> that we were comparing exactly. to all, you know, all of the, you know, billion or so Muslims, you know what I mean, that <laughs> exist throughout the oh, world. And all, he did, and all he did was prove what we've said, that, you know, people in the secular atheist community, they commit logical fallacies as well. There's a perfect example. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so and then so then and then from there is just the um, obvious sort of white privilege problem that people like Dawkins have when they say things like that, um, because it 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 ignores the fact that um, these prizes are largely about you know who you know, and they're not they're not strictly based on merit. There are a lot of people who do a lot of work that merit recognition um, and, and some of it's just because you can't recognize everyone but some of it is about who you know and who you're connected to and what university or skin color you possess um, it, it, there's a lot of things that factor into it and there has in the science uh, scientific community been a problem with racism um, that goes back you know before the enlightenment um, but certainly um, is um, present in the Enlightenment and certainly present after the Enlightenment when you talk about things like Tuskegee and other things. Um, now, I am not like some folks who think that, um, that um, you know, that science, that, the, that these sorts of incidents of scientific racism represent um, a problem of science. I don't think the method is flawed. I think what um, what you see when you're talking about scientific racism is really uh, pseudoscience because you're beginning with a you're beginning with a presumption and not a hypothesis. You know what I mean? You're beginning with the presumption uh-huh. that the um, that and, and it's, well, it's a, it is a hypothesis. It's, it's a false hypothesis. It's, a, it's it's not founded on anything you know substantial. They're basically trying to confirm their bias against black people by suggesting that, you know, if their head circumference is such and, you know, whatever is such that black people are inferior. So this is, to me, um, not what science is. And I think that um, given that so much of that has been disproven with good science is um, just um, even further proof that science is a, a good tool to use. Of course, it can be abused like any other thing, like especially if one holds uh, a position of prominence within, um, you know, scientific fields, you can abuse your power. And I think that um, I think that in some ways there are some people that we can think of that have abused their credibility in science to say some ignorant things. And um, I don't think we have to go into that deeply today because that's not what I intended to do. Um, but I'm pretty sure if we all think about it, we can think of who those people might be. So, right. moving along. Mm-hmm. So moving along, there's a, lot of good, there's a lot of very interesting things going on in the world of science. <laughs> and um, one of those things is obviously the GM babies. So now you can modify your offspring. Well, I mean, we knew that you could do this, that it was possible. But now we have confirmation that it's actually been done. Um, in in um, 
And this was done uh, basically at Tufts. They had um, they had several children that were um, you know modified. They had um, extra genes inserted to their DNA. Um, and what it what it sort of it, it brings up a whole lot of ethical issues for me. Um, one of the least of which is is that you know if you want say you want to modify your child. Um, there are, you know, genes that, there's not one gene that does one thing. Like, there's not a gene for height. There's, like, I believe there's something like 50 genes that factor into how tall you end up being. Um, right. So there's, there's all sorts of problems that can occur that are, that can be, you know, can be unforeseen in sort of altering one's DNA. But even if you were able to get it down to, um, you know, to, to something that you could reliably uh, do without many, without many accidents or many failures, the um, it still bring it's still sort of troubling to me as a black woman and as a feminist and um, someone who's concerned with social justice um, from the perspective that it would create another class, you know, mm-hmm. another class right. of, of, of people um, who are um, who are uh, uh, immune to certain diseases, illnesses, what have you, um, more intelligent, um, quote-unquote, um, you know, people who are, you know, fitter, basically. Um, and it would, that would, that would really just, you know, kind of enhance sort of the class system that's already in place, you know, the, um, so the richer are getting richer, but just in a different way now, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Right. I, I think that's right. not one of my concerns about um, the sort of technology and, and, and what it's capable of doing. It's it causing even greater separation between the haves and the have-nots. So, oh, yeah, definitely. And what I don't understand is, you know, there are people who believe that, you know, being able to go in and design their child, um, you know, in whatever manner that they choose. So, you know, whether they change the eye color, the hair color, what have you, you know, but these are some of the same people that are against stem cell research. And I just find that ironic. I I had not noticed that there were people who were for changing, modifying babies, being anti stem cell research. I had not come across anyone who for whom that was true. That's a very interesting perspective. Uh, I'd be very interested in knowing who some of these people are um, because generally those two things don't go together. Um, that's very weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I said. That's why I thought it was interesting. But when I find the article, I'll pull it up and I'll send it to you. Yeah, that would be great because I'm highly confused by that line of reasoning right now. Okay, go in the club because when I read it, I'm like, I was like, you know, that makes no sense. But anyway, what makes sense anymore half the time nowadays, you know, with some of these people? But go ahead. 
Um, but yeah, so I think that's one of my major concerns. Obviously, there's, um, and of course, like I said, there's the concern of um, what happens when things go wrong. Because, like I said, there's like 50 genes that have something to do with, you know, height. Um, you know, and 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 you know, certain genes, you know, in in they impact systems in different ways. You know what I mean? Like through their interaction with, you know, other, you know, genes or other um, sort of protein systems, you know, they have, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep this, I'm trying to keep this all very basic level, <laughs> but, you know, right, that right. They're, that the, that the sort of proteins that they, that are generated by them, that they might impact, you know, other sorts of proteins or the, um, or transcription of certain proteins. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just very concerned, you know what I mean, about what impact that could have. But I'm mainly concerned, like I said, about sort of um, exacerbating the class system that we already have issues with. Um, and then, of course, there is another problem of this sort of like the, the ableism, you know, that goes on in our culture. Um, there is um, a tendency to look at certain people because they can't do certain things as sort of throwaway people or people that we don't need to be concerned right. about um, or what have you. So that that also right. gives me, um, you know, pause. Um, I don't want. I mean, what does that mean for what does that mean for the child that's been engineered, um, you know, unsuccessfully, um, or for or for the rest of us who don't have the funds or or means to um, engineer our children properly. I mean, it brings to mind. The, I don't. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Gattaca. You know, but um, no, I haven't. Yeah, in Gattaca, um, <laughs> it's a it's a science fiction movie, and it's a basically a future where parents are able to genetically engineer their children and. Um, the main character has um, he has a lung condition. He has asthma, basically, and he wants to be a an astronaut. Um, but given his um, but given his genetic back background, he's only able, I think, to be a janitor. You know, uh-huh. um, and he he wants to be an astronaut. He wants to um, travel to another planet. So in order to do this, he has to basically. Um, feel the identity of a man who has been um, who's been uh, who's who's been um, handicapped um, after an auto accident, I believe. So he basically had mm-hmm. to feel this man's identity, and um, in order to uh, become an astronaut and to fulfill his dream. Um, so it kind of brings to mind that movie um, <laughs> because. Um, you know, it it really does impact sort of, sort of social mobility in that world, and we know that you know that wealth and um, skin color and gender and sexuality and all of these other things impact um, one's ability to um, to to find living wage jobs, to um, attain wealth. To att- to just attain to obtain an education, you know. So 
it, it sort of, it, it really does concern me. And it really does concern me too, uh, for another reason, because I was reading this week a story about, um, about young, about young um, LGBT children or children or teenagers or young adults who are contracting HIV on purpose because it, when they're on HIV, they, when they have HIV, when they can demonstrate that they have HIV, they can obtain things like food stamps and Section 8 housing and Medicare and all of these other things. And so um, that article really kind of incensed me because we live in a country with um, considerable wealth um, that, of course, is it's not distributed evenly or, or fairly, but we live in a country with considerable wealth, and there's really no reason why someone should have to consider getting HIV right. in order to consider necessary to sustain life. Right, and that's been um, happening for a while. You know, um, you know, I don't have all the information in front of me, but I remember um, posting a couple of years ago about how they, there were some people in certain circles, they would have parties, and oh, gift-giving parties, that's what they're called. And mm-hmm. they, these are people who wanted to be infected with HIV because they wanted the benefits so, you know, they would be able to get, um, you know, the monthly stipend, you know, disability. They would be able to get housing, you know, subsidized housing. They would be able to get the medical care, um, counseling, and all of that. So there are some people that actually want to acquire HIV, and, you know, it goes back to what you were just saying there, and, you know, it's just unfortunate. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, these are... It's it's just infuriating that they would have to go through all of this. Um, um, Kim, I'm sorry. Maybe it's because it's been um, four weeks since my last show, but how do I tell when someone is ready to come on the line? Oh, <laughs> you'll see a little triangle. So if you look next to my number, there's nothing there. I didn't put that in press one. If someone presses one, it looks like a little tri- It's a little blue thing there. Okay. All right. They're right. You're right. I forgot. Okay. Okay. Well, um, just so you guys know, if you are interested in calling in, the number is 310-982-4273. And if you want to speak, please press one so that I know that you want to, that you want to talk. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's really infuriating that that should be the case in a country like as rich as ours. Um, so um and of and of course, you know, we um you know, just because we're on the subject of LGBT, um people um or people people who identify as LGBT, um, it brings to mind uh B. Scott in his lawsuit against uh B E T for discrimination. Um, I'm hoping that he gets everything that he or she gets everything that she deserves, rather. Um for for being discriminated against in that um, particular instance. Um, Do you remember that story, Kim? Yeah, I remember that. You know, B. Scott, you know, she's beautiful. I mean, I love and just seems to be like a really, you know, wonderful person. And BET extended an invitation to her. And then when she got there, they made 
Hurt put on men's clothing, even though they understood what her image was and what she conveyed. It wasn't, my, from my understanding, it wasn't the first time she's worked with them. So, you know, they, they damaged her image. And after that, they gave a half-hearted, you know, um, apology or response. And, you know, I'm glad she's moving forward, you know, with her lawsuit because they should not have done that. They knew, you know, what her lifestyle um, involved from the very beginning. So, you know, it just well, it didn't make any sense. And, you know, if you saw the outfit, you know, they, that she was wearing initially, it was absolutely gorgeous. And then they made her put on the suit. So it was it was just outrageous, the whole situation. Right. Yeah, it's, it's upsetting. Um, you know, we should just be able to let people be who they are. Um, and it's unfortunate that we have to, um, that we're still dealing with, um, issues of, uh, transphobia and, um, and, uh, discriminating against people who, um, who, you know, who represent a different gender than, you know, the sex that they were born with. Um, so, so yeah, so there is that story and, um, of course, um, there was a there was another story that I saw. Um, a malaria vaccine um, in early clinical trials is showing, um, you know, really good promise. Um, you know, malaria is a, um, it's a it's a it's a devastating disease in uh, many parts of the world, um, and it looks like they're on the verge of a have having a much better vaccine. Um, malaria kills 600,000 people each year, and it infects more than 200 million people. So looking forward to seeing um, what the impact is, um, you know, if this vaccine is uh, approved. What do you think, Kim? Um, you know, I'm all for, you know, improving vaccines, improving lives, um, and if they have a vaccine that can, you know, assist those people, that's a wonderful thing. You know, I'm not anti-vaccine, not yeah. even a little bit. Well, so I'm glad for people... that. Huh? I said I'm glad for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, if I start talking anti-vaccine, you just caught me on a bad day, right? But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad that they're making advances in science, advances in medicine that can help, you know, a lot of people. You know, there are some, you know, illnesses that we probably should have had, you know, um, cures for. But with some of the stop and go with the research and the money and all of that, it makes it a little bit difficult. But I'm glad that they were able to advance. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I'm glad for that, too. Um, Let's see. I did see that there was – sorry. I'm just trying to pull up my articles and things here. Um, Let's see. Um, I did see that there was a a story, and I can't can't find the story now, but it was um, looking at – a, a different way of detecting autism earlier in children. 
Um, I think that's really um, important. Um, and I think it's I think I think it's um, important because there are a lot of uh, there are probably a lot of children who are misdiagnosed, but there are probably a lot of children who are not being diagnosed properly um, with autism and not getting the sort of care um, that they need. Um, and of course, you know, autism unfortunately um, is in, in a in in sort of um, the way that it's being diagnosed has. Um, it's been put. It's been expanded into a spectrum um, when really we should probably be dealing with all of these conditions in very specific, more specific ways, um, more targeted ways, rather than re- referring them to them as a, you know, as a as a spectrum as the spectrum. Because when we hear numbers about you know autism prevalence, I think that it. Um, I think that some people sort of have the reaction to it, like, oh, there must be, um, there must be a problem with the food, or they must, there must be a problem with vaccines, and it just feeds into this paranoia and conspiracy, sort of conspiratorial belief, you know, about right. where disease comes from. Um, and I think where, whereas if we were to deal with them more individually, I think it would be a little bit more it, it would be easier for people to swallow. You know, people generally have problems, you know, with um with kind of talking about broad sort of issues. They're like little bite sized chunks that they can understand. So mm-hmm. um probably would be um better if we could deal with it that way. Um let's see. I did hear about uh, Sanjay Gupta's uh, marijuana documentary or uh, program that he is going to put out, um, which is interesting. Um, but I think that um, it is important for all of us to remember that um, this is a television program <laughs> and that it is not a scientific study and that while Sanjay Gupta is a doctor, he is not a scientist and um, that there are some differences in um, in sometimes the way that we look at things. Um, the fact of the matter is is that there is there very there is very little evidence um, for the use of medicinal marijuana. There's very little that shows that it has um, that it that it that it, it it is good for impacting some of these conditions. Um, there, there are some, there is some evidence regarding its use in, in sort of um, helping patients that have um, issues with nausea, with hunger, um, you know, with sleeping, with uh, nerves, uh, or, or sort of um, anxiety issues. Um, but there are other ways of dealing with some of these conditions, and there may be ways that we can deal with them that don't involve pot smoking. Um, now, I have said on this program and on other programs several times that I am not anti-pot. I don't, I don't really care if someone wants to pick up a joint. I don't really care if someone wants to pick up, you know, a beer uh, or whatever. It's up to you right. as an adult what you put into your body, um, provided that what you put into your body doesn't, um, you know, after, after you put this thing into your body, you don't get behind the wheel of a car and kill someone. Uh, or, you know, harm someone based on, you know, your inability to control yourself, I'm the, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't really care. 
Um, but I think that um, based on some of the previews that um, that I've seen of the documentary, I would not I would not start picking up the signs and 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 begin my protest or my ticket for marijuana, uh, you know, legalization or or medical marijuana initiatives to be brought up in in, in you know in in the United States or or, or you know sort of spreading. Uh, legalized legalization of marijuana. Like I, I'm, I'm pro legalization of marijuana from the perspective of I think that adults should be able to use it if they see fit. But it's, I just think it's a bad argument when you try to make it hinge on um, the medicalization part, for which there's very little evidence. And even if there is evidence that there are certain compounds, which there, you know, we know that THC in some instances help some people and that their um, CBD is another compound that helps certain people with certain conditions. But there, there are easier, better, better and more effective ways that people can get these compounds um, to treat their various conditions that don't involve eating it or smoking it. And that's, right. my, that's my feeling on it. Um, you know, understanding uh, of pharmacology and toxicology under, you know, helps me to recognize that there are, you know, that while, you know, we do get a lot of these, our ideas for these, the drugs that we use from um, naturally occurring, you know, plants, that um, sometimes there aren't enough, uh, there's not enough of that compound in the plant um, to make it reasonable <laughs> to to right. give it to a patient to treat their illness. You know, um, it can occur in such tiny amounts or maybe it is it exists in a in a plant where there are other compounds that uh, counteract its effects. Um, or perhaps there are compounds in the plant that interact with it in such a way that makes it toxic, whereas it might not otherwise be toxic. So, I mean, there's all sorts of things that one has to consider. Um, you know, natural does not mean good, um, but smoking, we know, is bad for you, period, because combustion leads to the production of uh, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, and these hydrocarbons are um, toxic um, to, to, to your system. They are carcinogenic, and um, they are you know they're they're bad for you. They're just bad for you, <laughs> and I'm not going to um, advocate for anyone smoking anything, let alone marijuana. Um, so you know, he. I think that one of the scenes that they show that's supposed to be like the, you know, like the the oh ah moment is where this guy what? has a um, has he has a particular condition. I can't remember what the condition is called. Um, primarily because I don't deal with lungs. Um, but he he had a particular condition where he has convulsions, which involves the diaphragm. And when he speaks, he sounds like he has constant hip, hiccups. Well, after, you know, a few, uh, you know, maybe 30 seconds or so, um, after he smoked some marijuana, his, um, his convulsions, stopped and he was able to um, resume normal speech. And, uh -huh. you know, I, very, I mean, it seems very compelling, you know, that this is what's going on or what have you. Um, 
But I think for someone like me who's a skeptical individual, I'm still thinking, okay, but you just inhaled, like, all of these polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. So how is that a good thing for your lungs? You know? Right. Um, exactly. It's like, and, and, and plus the particular strain that he has is a strain that's been um, – that's been manipulated to contain more of a compound called CBD. And, um, and, and it's so funny to me because a lot of people who advocate for mar- medical marijuana are the same people who are anti-GMO or anti, um, or, or anti, or anti a lot of science, uh, actually, that I can, as far as I can tell. They're anti, but they're particularly anti-GMO. So it, it, it just occurs to me as strange that someone would watch this documentary and get amped up about medical marijuana knowing that they're also anti-GMO because a lot of the, a lot of the marijuana that's probably going to be shown in this documentary would not be possible if not through um, manipulation. Uh, either either by a scientist in a lab or by by sort of breeding methods or or other means. Um, you're you know these are not the uh, sort of naturally occurring pot strains that they're probably going to be talking about in this documentary. They're going to be talking about engineered pot strains. So that's another right. thing to keep in mind because most of these people are not going to. Um, tell you that um, when they're holding up this um, this documentary as proof positive that marijuana is, you know, the uh, panacea we've all been waiting up for, you know? Right. So that's just, that's just my little word. Now? When is that going uh, to be released? Um, you know, that's a good question. Um and you would think that I would know that, cause I, but I think I probably T-vote it. So, you know, once I T-vote things, I don't pay attention. But uh, <laughs> I will get that information for you. Um, but, yeah, this is, it's, just, it's just interesting. What do you think, though, Kim? Are you going to be watching it? Um, um, to be honest with you, no. You know, <laughs> I'll just wait for I'll just wait for a few people that I respect to write something about, about it. And then depending on how, you know, it's reviewed, then that will determine whether it's worth my time to watch it or not. You know, because I just, I don't watch a lot of things, especially if I think it's a bunch of crap. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you know, there's some people that need, you know, medicinal marijuana for whatever reason. And so, you know, I don't begrudge them that. But I just want to make sure that all the facts come out about, you know, what's included in that. Like, you know, we were talking earlier about how there are some strains of it that are, you know, engineered, if you will. So we just want people to be informed about what they're putting in their body and not just, you know, blindly following the crowd, but understanding what you're getting into, understanding the consequences, the risks, so on and so forth, and that's just not with marijuana. That can be with, you know, um, you know, different medications, different combinations of medications. That's why it's always good to talk to your doctor and, and find out what's happening and what's going on okay, um, so in your body. Okay, so I've got time for that show. It's actually coming on August 11th, so tomorrow night, 
at 8 p.m. Okay, maybe I'll watch it then. It's probably going to be on CNN. Yep, CNN, absolutely. So okay. we'll check it out. <laughs> and well, we'll, if it's coming we'll, up tonight, I'll be able to watch it. But if it was like two, three weeks from now, I'm going to forget. So you know how that goes. No, I know, I know. Um, yeah, so that should be interesting. But, yeah, I mean, you know, for for those of you that are skeptics, you know, challenge your friends because I'm telling you, that some of these people are going to hold this up as an example of how, you know, wrong or how backwards society is because we use pharmaceutical drugs instead of natural compounds, and these are the same people who are anti-GMO and not recognizing that these, that the particular strains that they're going to be talking about on this program are not naturally occurring. So, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just... I can't can't deal with the hypocrisy there, you know, um, especially as somebody who, you know, has recognizes, like, how much, um, how much science has, you know, improved human life. You know, they, they, people are, it's just like creationists who will say, oh, um, you know, creationists are people who are anti, you know, anti-evolution or whatever. They'll say, um They'll say they'll they'll say they believe in medical science. They believe in you know the or they or accept rather uh, medical science or that they accept you know all of these uh, all of the evidence that we have in in biology for you know various phenomena, all of the things that we know about the brain, all the things that we know about the heart, the lungs, everything. And yet they'll they'll say, oh, but they're they're completely wrong on this, despite the massive pile of evidence that we have for evolution, particularly evolution by natural selection. You know, they'll deny right. all of that, but they'll accept everything else. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny how that. So changing, so changing topics. <laughs> um, okay. I came across this very interesting story. It's not particularly science-related, but I just thought that it would give us a, a good laugh. Um, do you know what this month is, Kim? It's August. <laughs> yes, but do you okay. know <laughs> what month this is? Other than that, isn't it, isn't it like Black August? Is that what you're getting at? No. I mean, well, I mean, if you can tell me about that, but that's not what I was getting at. Okay. Okay. Well, um, then, uh, I'm a little bit August, behind here. August is apparently anal pleasure month. Oh, okay. How did I miss that? Okay. <laughs> You didn't send me the memo. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I I just came across that and I thought that was pretty funny, so I thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> I'm sure people all over the country, right? Yeah, I I guess so. Um, but there are apparently people giving workshops and events on the pleasures of anal sex and um, you know, anal lingus and all of that good stuff. So if you're into that, <laughs> you should check 
out, but I thought I, I thought it was um, odd enough that you probably hadn't heard of it, so I would just share it with you. Oh, thank you very kindly. I wonder if KY is giving discounts this month. I don't know. That's a very good question. Although I do think that some of the um, the toy manufacturers are maybe having some sales on some items. So if you're into it, you <laughs> want to check that out. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, okay, Kim. This is this is one of the stories I really wanted to get to. It's not science, but I thought it was pretty funny. So there is a study that just came out um, by um, Reuters um, that says that 40% of white Americans have no non-white friends, and about 25% of non-white Americans have zero friends outside of their own race. Oh, yeah, so they lied about my best friend is black. But I think the percentage is probably much higher than that, given how um, hyper-segregated our society is. And what do you think? Um, I do, you know, I guess they think (laughs) that black person they pass in the hall at work is their friend, you know, so they just kind of calculate that into their little algorithm that they have there. Um, Again, you know, actions speak louder than words. And there are some people out here that claim that they have black friends, but yet they still, um, you know, um, let's say project, you know, discriminatory and racist attitudes about certain things. So if they do have black friends, you know, what type of black friends do they have? You know, are these black friends, you know, uh, accepting of that type of behavior or do they not act that way around their so-called black friends? But, you know, I just think it would do us all good to kind of mix and mingle and get to know one another. I'm not saying you should be best friends with whomever. That's your choice. But I think it does us all well to kind of understand, um, you know, the different cultures. Well, I was just going to, I was um, hoping that you would say more about the segregation, but I do actually have um, a statistic regarding the um, segregation of schools in particularly. Um, because um, what I was saying is about the hyper segregation, we are actually more segregated than we were in 1954. Um, latest statistics show that white students attend schools that are 77% white. Yes. Yeah. That is pretty, pretty, um, that's a pretty big number. And they were saying that the schools were actually, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 I was just going to say, and it was designed that way. It goes back to what we've talked about with public policy. Um, It also goes back to the redlining with the Federal Housing Authority with, you know, the quote-unquote ghettoization of black America how, you know, um, in in many cases, blacks were corralled to certain areas to live because they couldn't get loans to live in certain areas or they wouldn't sell them the property in other areas. And, you know, it goes back to the tax base and all of that. So, you know, it's kind of like it was designed. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that, um, that actually um, – Schools were more racially diverse when segregation laws were on the books. 
than they are now. And, um, you know, I, I, that's why I'm saying I think that it actually, the number of people who don't have non-white friends, um, white people that have non-white friends, is probably much, 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 much higher than 40%. Um, and it, it sort of, it sort of um, makes, uh, it, it sort of, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to word this correctly, but it sort of made me think about the atheist skeptic, you know, humanist community um, and its problems with diversity. Um, right. I think I think that there is an issue in this community where they, um, where certain groups think that just because they know or are associated with someone like a Neil deGrasse Tyson or that they follow a Neil deGrasse Tyson or something like that, that they have this illusion that they are um, not racist or that they don't hold uh, racial bias against individuals, but then will come uh, and say something like, oh, but, um, you know, oh, but, you know, um, there aren't, um, you know, that Muslims, you know, Muslims don't have Nobel Prizes like Trinity College and such and such. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's about white privilege and it's about not, um, not really knowing or owning up to what diversity really is. I mean, what do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, in this community, um, inclusion and diversity, you know, it, we have to get better at that, and it's unfortunate that it takes, you know, these negative situations to get the attention of certain people. But what's even more unfortunate are the ones that try to close ranks and, you know, cover, you know, some of these incidents that are happening. But, you know, hopefully we'll take these situations and be able to sit down and discuss what's happening. Hopefully, you know, some of the larger organizations that have had some problems in the past, hopefully they're open and willing to become more diverse, more inclusive, and take these situations and use it to um, have a better resolution, use it to, um, you know, further the community, you know, um, evolve, you know, the movement, evolve the community, because we have to move forward. We can't stay in that prepubescent stage, whereas, you know, it's just a bunch of vitriol and anger and, you know, um, taunting and antagonistic behavior. We have to move beyond that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I just think it's, um, yeah, just, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, finish your thoughts. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, and, you know, this will be the most opportune time for them to, you know, basically work with those. Now, this is, this is the, you know, where the disconnect has been. They try to keep it in-house and try to come up with solutions in-house. Well, if you aren't talking to people that are outside of your organization, you know, how are you going to get any real direction? Because what you're doing, they're trying the same things over and over. They may try to enhance it here and there, but until you, you know, how are you going to do outreach for minorities when you aren't speaking to minorities or have, you know, a minority on your board or have minority as a consultant? And then in some cases, they are consulting with some minorities, but 
there's no advancement. So maybe you need to look further and beyond what you've been attempting. Right. And um and, and it's and you know, this idea and, and, and the fact that people are so hyper segregated sort of um exacerbates, you know, the institutionalized you know, sort of uh, issues of institutionalized racism um, and, you know, racial profiling and all these other issues that we have because um, look at the school-to-prison pipeline, for example. You know, um, the uh, Roberts, you know, the Justice John Roberts-led Supreme Court has made it pretty – it's made it pretty difficult to actually – to change the – the tide of of uh, segregating schools, you know what I mean. This has been going on for quite some time um, because right. um, of that ruling that it made in uh, in that case in Seattle, um, where the school district was um, had had uh, two different plans. Actually, it was Seattle and Kentucky, but the Seattle and um, Kentucky had uh, two different plans, basically um, aimed at trying to integrate these schools, voluntarily integrate these schools. And um, they basically struck them down saying that they recognized that um, that race, avoiding racial isolation was a, a compelling state interest, um, but that the plans were not um, sufficiently tailored. So um, that it that it, that they didn't want I, I guess they basically had mainly and, and it seems like they still have a problem with it with with using race as a factor, you know what I mean as right. in the in the process is I think the main thing that they have an issue with but um but it it also well, feeds into the, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. no, no, I was gonna say they want to drop the race thing altogether, but go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say it also feeds into things like, you know, stand your ground and and what have you, Um, because when people are isolated from each other, it's easier to, um, you know, to perpetuate or sort of believe um, stereotypes and um, negative or hold negative beliefs about a particular group when when you don't have contact with them. Um, so it's easier to put people in jail. It's easier to let people sit in a morgue for weeks without looking into who their family members are or for days in the case of Trayvon Martin. Um, you know, there's, you know, it's easier to put them in jail. It's easier to kill them. It's easier to shoot first and ask questions later. You know, so this is a problem that we really need to begin to examine and we need to, um, we need to interrogate our own beliefs and um, and, and and question ourselves and and, and think you know our, what 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 beliefs do I hold about this group or that group you know um, right. how can I change them how can I be a better person you know how can I stop blaming how can I stop blaming um, you know marginalized groups for their problems uh, related to economics and to education and what have you, and ally myself with them to achieve um, a better a better life or a better way for everyone. You know? Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So, oh, yeah, no, and you're right. You know, this, you know, should encourage us 
to look within and introspect and see where our biases may or may not be, to see how we can improve as an individual and in some cases see how we can work with others to, you know, um, maybe um, give them a different perspective if they've had a negative experience or what have you. And, you know, again, it's it's all about, you know, um, that personal um, whatever's going on with you personally and, you know, being able to recognize because, unfortunately, many people can recognize things in other people, but they can't recognize it when it's in themselves. So it's a certain amount of truth that we need to come some self-realization. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, simply simply shouting down and saying, oh, you know, um, if they just pull their pants up, you know, or what have you, is not a solution, you know, or saying, you know, if they would just give up their belief in God, you know, <laughs> and right. stop being exactly. Uncle Tom is not a solution. You know, you have to go deeper than that. Right, you know, and that works both ways, you know, like when some of the non-believers, you know, have some issues or problems in their lives, you know, when the religious people would say, you know, that wouldn't have happened if you believed in God, that wouldn't have happened if you went to church, or even though you're a non-believer, just pray about it anyway, God answer, you know, he loves you in spite of yourself. And, you know, it, it works on both sides, and it's unfortunate because, you know, in some cases, depending on the situation, you know, it's just a matter of people not having certain information that can help them deal with the situation, cope with the situation, or move beyond the situation. But that's what we're supposed to be here for, to help one another, to guide one another if need be. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to share another story that I saw Um this one is actually was in the New York Times, and it's about um, the family of Henrietta Lacks. Um, so they actually, um, the National Institutes of Health actually um, had initially published um, the genome of one, I think, of the strains of the HeLa cell that's out there um, and making it public, publicly available for downloading. But um, the Lax family was uh, concerned about primarily issues of privacy um, since they are related to her. And, um, you know, part of that genome would obviously contain some of their genetic heritage. Um, uh-huh. So they actually, the NIH actually decided to work with the family um, after the fact, unfortunately, but they decided to work with the family. They, it's no longer available for public uh, download, but you can apply to get um, access to the genome. And um, the applications are actually um, reviewed by a committee set up by the National Institutes of Health, and it actually has two members of the Lacks family on the committee that actually review these applications. So I thought that was um I thought it was a good story because um, they they corrected an error um, in this case because, you know, they are related to her. And this, these are her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren who objected to that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's good that they're at least sort of trying to remedy or, or, or keep from 
um, adding, you know, more insult to injury, you know, exactly. the black skin. Um, so, yeah. Um, that was so, a good guys, story. you won't get a chance. You definitely want to, you know, do some research on Henrietta Lacks, um, the Gila cells, and understand the importance behind it because a lot of medical advancements and pharmaceutical breakthroughs came through because of those cells. Exactly. Yep, the polio vaccine for one. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's, um, and of course, you know, the Gila cells um, are, you know, the cancer cells, uh, the cervical cancer cells from um, Henrietta Lacks. Um, and the human pampiloma virus actually had attached itself to a particular, a particular region on her, on her genome that has made her cells um, immortal, essentially. And, um, you know, there are several different lines of HeLa cells at this point. And there's actually, um, it, I think that HeLa cells are actually not even regarded as human anymore. They're regarded as something else because they have, um, they have, I forget how many genes in them now, but it's a greater number of genes than are, in, are present in the um, human body. So, um, and they're actually somewhat of a problem for certain labs because they, um, they contaminate certain spaces. So, um, you know, because they're so persistent. They're very, they're very persistent. They're very resilient. Um, so they're very, it's a very interesting um, story, the, you know, Henry Lacks, Henrietta Lacks' story and um, the story of herself. So um, you should probably read the book by Rebecca Skloot. Um It's a good book. Um, so, yeah, I thought you might appreciate that, Kim, since we talked about it before. Um, I know your, your feelings about that, um, particularly about um, how you feel that her family is deserves um, or deserves compensation. Um, I have very sort of mixed views about that. I think that the main issue is an issue of um, of, of of informed consent, which she was not given, and um, and I feel that that's the primary issue. Um, so, but um, yeah, so, yeah I'm so, glad to her receiving justice and recognition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, of course, um, you know, since there's been some 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 better um, sort of ethical sort of controls for um, these sorts of situations, um, people in general now receive more informed consent. Although there are still some problems with informed consent, um, you know, with literacy, with uh, language barriers, with um, you know, issues of, you know, compensation, you know, how much compensation is too much compensation. Does compensation become coercion? Um, You know, there's all sorts of different issues that one can bring up with um, some of the ethical issues involved in informed consent. And we'll be talking about those and other issues um, in the future. Um, Looking forward to that. But it looks like it's a little after two and I really didn't plan on having a two-hour show today, guys. Um, I did have a really good conversation with you, Kim, so I thank you for joining me. And um, I thank you all who are listening for joining me, and I hope that you guys tune in another two weeks. So 
hope to talk to you soon. And uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow for Kim's show, where she's going to be talking about dissent within the feminist community or feminist circles, and because uh, that is going to be an awesome show with special guest Tierra Hammond. So, um, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, see you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.